Jamie Nicole Peterson was a 30-year-old from Ross Township, Pennsylvania. She had two children and was an auto mechanic. On September 26, 2011, Jamie's children and mother came home to find her not there. The door was locked, Jamie's car was there, and nothing seemed out of place. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. If you've been listening to Unfound for quite a while, you've begun to notice that disappearances aren't as unique as you always thought them to be. Sure, we've had a few that have no comparison. Jason Jolkowski, Dale Kerstetter, Flight 370. But really, 95% of the cases we've covered fall into distinct categories that I've talked about on this podcast on the live show, on Patreon, and during the presentations I've done for college students. Knowing that there are so many similarities between disappearances should help us learn more about them. The problem? I don't think anybody has attempted that until I made it a part of my general discussion on missing persons cases. Why is that? I don't know. Well, with the disappearance of Jamie Peterson, I'm hoping that when you hear the details, that you'll be able to recall by name the person who went missing under similar circumstances who was featured on this very podcast. I'm hoping that you get a feeling of... Deja vu. And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Lyonez's website, charlieproject.com. Org. Although Jamie Peterson might have been similar to many other women her age, she was surely unique in one way. Her job. Yes, Jamie was an auto mechanic, an interest she had gotten from her father. With her work, she was able to provide a stable environment for her son and daughter. Jamie even gave them their own money that they could spend at flea markets every Sunday. There were a couple of issues, though. Jamie injured her knee at work and had been on workman's comp for a few months. In addition, Jamie kicked her boyfriend out of their apartment not long before she went missing. So, on September 26, 2011, Jamie's daughter Daisy was at swim practice. Normally, Jamie would appear in the stands not long before the session was over to drive Daisy home. This day, Jamie didn't appear. Daisy called her grandmother to pick her up, and eventually the two of them and Jamie's son arrived at the apartment. It was locked. No one was there. Jamie's car was out front. Nothing was amiss inside. They tried calling Jamie over and over, but each time the calls went to voicemail. 
Jamie was never seen again. Not until a few days later did they learn that Jamie's ex-boyfriend was seen by a neighbor talking to Jamie on the day of the disappearance. Unlike last week's episode, where there are multiple viable theories regarding Allie Lowitzer's disappearance, Jamie Peterson's is not quite as mysterious. However, we don't care about such things at Unfound. In fact, these kinds of cases are the ones in which we can learn the most about disappearances in general. Please keep that in mind as you try to answer these three questions. Number one, why would Jamie leave seemingly voluntarily with the ex-boyfriend when she already had a restraining order against him? Number two, if this were an abduction, why would Jamie's phone continue to ping into the night of the disappearance date? And number three, does it undermine your confidence in law enforcement and the legal system when Unfound shows how many disappearances have obvious suspects, but they continue to be as free as you and me? Jamie's family absolutely believes foul play occurred. The guest for this episode is Jamie's daughter, Daisy Peterson. Unfound news. With great sadness, I must announce that Ashley Simpson's remains were recently discovered not far from Salmon Arm, where she disappeared in April of 2016. This is a disappearance Unfound covered just two months ago. Her boyfriend at the time, Derek, has been charged with second-degree murder. Our deepest sympathies go out to the Simpson family. Next, we are slowly coming up on the end of 2021. You know what that means, another update episode. Edition number 10, to be exact. It will air on December 31st. Yep, New Year's Eve. There will be lots of news to pass along. I think. Finally, I want to again send out a request. If you'd like to be one of my assistants, I'm looking for a new person to work on and oversee Unfound's YouTube channel and the website. I've gotten a couple nice resumes so far, but I want to make sure no one misses this opportunity. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound supports accounts on iTunes, Pandora, Audible, Podomatic, Spotify, iHeart, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Deezer, and YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, please join us for the Unfound live show. Watch, ask questions, and give the show a thumbs up. Contribute to Unfound at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. This week, I need to thank Christine. You can also contribute at PayPal, paypal.me forward slash unfound podcast. I also need to give a huge shout out to all the people who have monetarily contributed using Super Chat during the live show on Wednesday nights. Thank you for watching and thank you for donating. The email address, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. Merchandise, the books at Amazon.com in both ebook 
and print form. Do not forget the reviews. Shirts at unfound-podcast.myshopify.com or you can track down my assistant Heather in the Facebook group. Playing cards at makeplayingcards.com forward slash sell forward slash unfoundpodcast. The website, theunfoundpodcast.com. And please mention unfound at all true crime websites and forums. Thank you. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the daughter of Jamie Peterson, Daisy Peterson. Daisy, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. Let's start here. Maybe uh, we should start with you. You have the name Daisy. Of course, a lot of women have uh, that name. Is that a name your mother picked out for you? Yes. Do you, do you know how, how that came about? Um, I actually asked my grandma, and she said my mom was kind of like a hippie, so... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Daisy it was. Okay, Daisy it was. All right, uh, what is your middle name, if I may ask? Isabel. Um, it's my mm. grandmother's middle name as well. Okay, so that's like a family name. Okay, well, mm-hmm. th- all right, thank you for sharing that. That's interesting. Okay. I think you are the first Daisy on Unfound. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, your family. Now, we should probably make clear for the listeners, being that you are the daughter of Jamie, how old uh, were you at the time of her disappearance in 2011? Um, I was 12 years old, almost 13. My birthday was the next month. Wow, in October. Okay, so for the listeners who are now listening, I just want you to remember that as we are, uh, as I'm talking to Daisy, that of course, uh, she was not a, a full-grown adult at that time. She was 12, almost 13. And you have a younger brother as well. How old was he? Um, so my brother was 11 years old at the time. He's only a year behind me. Wow. So right now I am 23. His mm-hmm. birthday will be coming in February and he'll be 22. All right. So you're pretty close. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about you, uh, your brother and your mother, uh, back then, uh, you know, 2009, 2010 in 2011, what would you say um, your family was like? It, it was the three of you, and we'll get to talking about, um, of course, Alex later, but just the three of you. Uh, how would you explain uh, the relationship, that triangle between you three? Um, it was always fun. It was always a good time um, mm-hmm. to spend time together. Uh, she would always take us to um flea markets on sundays Mm -hmm. and um every sunday i remember her taking us to like mcdonald's in the morning before we went and she was like okay you guys can have a small coffee (laughs) being young i was so excited because i wanted to try coffee and sunday Mm -hmm. was like the days that we got coffee Uh (laughs) uh-huh Uh, and, and so it kind of made you feel like an adult, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, she would, I think it was $20 would be like our maximum like spending limit. So like we were allowed to have $20 to spend on anything we wanted at mm. the whole flea market. And this was kind of like every Sunday, you know, when it was nice out, Yeah. Uh, we would go and do this together as a family. Mm-hmm. And so and this is in the Ross Township area. 
Yeah. Yeah, an area I know uh, very well. And yes, this is a, a, a kind of another Pittsburgh area disappearance. We just covered another one uh, about a month ago, um, a little farther away uh, than Ross Township. But uh, I know this area very, very well. So you go to these uh, places, these um, yard sales, etc., on Sundays. And uh, anything in particular, 20 bucks, how much could that get you usually, Daisy? Uh, I think back then it was a lot more than obviously $20 can do today. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, um, I think my brother was more into buying like the, the video game type of things. Um, anything that had pandas mm. on it, that was what he was buying at the time. Huh. Um, <laughs> me, I was buying like dream catchers, earrings, purses, clothes, plants, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just a bunch of different things. Right. So th- these are some good memories you have from back then. Right. Okay. How would you explain uh, your mother's uh, parenting style? Uh, you said, uh, you just said at the beginning of this interview, she was a bit of a hippie. Did that hippiness take a uh, uh, carryover to her parenting or was she more of a little bit more of a disciplinarian in that vein? Uh, she was definitely a disciplinarian. Um, you know, she definitely wanted me and my brother to do good in school. Um, she wanted us to do good in our athletics that we chose to be in. Um, mm-hmm. at the time we were really into swimming. We mm-hmm. were on a couple different swim teams at one time. Neat. Um, me and my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was like very strict about us, you know, sticking to our schoolwork and sticking to our sports activities, but there was still time for fun. Mm-hmm. Sounds like she had you involved in a lot of stuff so you wouldn't have, uh, a, a lot of time to maybe, uh, get in trouble. Just take up your time with swimming and schoolwork and everything else. Right. You know? Probably. A little bit. Okay, because uh, what's the saying? Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Okay. Right. Um, how would you explain uh, your mother's personality? How do you think that she was uh, viewed by others? You know, she had her friends, uh, co-workers, and we'll get in. She had a very interesting job that most women don't have. We'll get into that in a moment. But as far as her personality and the way other people viewed her. Um, well, not just myself, but other people that have known my mom um, people that have worked with her, neighbors, friends, um, all different kinds of people mm-hmm. have told me, um, you know, she was always very kind, no matter who you were, whether she knew you or not. Um, she was always reaching out a helping hand to people, even if they weren't the greatest to her, you know, maybe mm-hmm. in the past, uh, she was always willing to help somebody out no matter mm-hmm what they did to her so she was just overall like a very like hardworking and kind person but she was also very like outgoing and creative Mm -hmm. and she was just kind of somebody that you know no matter what you said like you'd always have somebody that you'd be able to talk to Mm -hmm. okay did um her parents uh, did they live in the area I should maybe ask you this. Did did she grow up in the Pittsburgh area or did she come into the Pittsburgh area from somewhere else before you? Yeah. Take it? Uh, sorry. That's all right. Go <laughs> ahead. I'm, go ahead. This is your interview. Um, 
she grew up in the Pittsburgh area. Mm-hmm. Um, we have lived a couple different places. I know she has my mom as well growing up has, you know, moved to other places for a little while, mm-hmm. but, uh, majorly she has lived in Pittsburgh. Okay. And so, uh, you had grandparents in the area. Mm-hmm. Okay. And do you get to see them fairly often? Would she take you over there for like Thanksgiving and Christmas and stuff or, or not? Yeah, it's funny because we, when we live with my mom, uh, we actually only lived right up the street from my grandma. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> so we could walk right down if we wanted to. Well, that was nice. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely nice being close to my grandma, too. Yeah. So if your mother needed a babysitter, your grandma was right there. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay. And I mentioned this before. Uh, your mother had a very... Uh, of course, it's a very common job, but it's not a job that many women have. She was an auto mechanic, right? Yes. Now, do you ha- do you happen to know how she got into that? Uh, as you know, not most women, it's not a profession they have, although there certainly are, you know, women do that. But how did she get into that? Do you know? Um, my pap, her dad, um... He sold a lot of car parts, even mm-hmm. when I was younger. That was kind of something that he did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess she kind of got into cars from him a little bit. Um, but she also, as she got older, uh, ended up going to Rosedale Technical Institute, okay. which is a college in the Pittsburgh area, or a technical school, I should say, yeah. in the area. Yeah. Um, to learn about cars, to become a can- um, mechanic, mm-hmm. you know, you'd be able to get your inspection and emissions license, just things like yeah. that to kind of help you set you up for a job afterwards. Okay. And uh, what kind of uh, vehicles did she work on? Uh, she worked on all kinds. Um, she did have a job, though, at mm-hmm. Mazda in Hyundai. Uh, is. Mm-hmm. A dealership in Moon Township. Yeah. Um, she was there for quite a while. Um, mm-hmm. I believe she was at a different car dealership before that. Mm-hmm. Um, but she would work on anything <laughs> that she could get her hands on. She was always yeah. taking us to car meetups, and um, we were always going to sell parts with our pap when we were younger and uh-huh. you know so our life was pretty involved with cars with vehicles <laughs> okay well uh as we most people probably know uh auto mechanics uh can make decent money mm-hmm. you know uh, especially if you're working in a dealership and um so that's a pretty good career for her to have and do you know how many years she had been an auto mechanic at the time of her disappearance just a guess I'd have to say at least like four or five years, maybe, maybe a little bit less, but I know it was for a couple of years that that was something that she had been doing. Okay. And the other good thing about being an auto mechanic, you have a lot of job security. Uh, Cars breaking down all the time. So, right. So there you go. Okay. So. She has this job, uh, you're going to school uh, with your brother, and you all live together. Now, uh, and your grandma lives right down the street. Sounds like a nice setup. Maybe I need to ask this in, in case the listeners are wondering. 
Uh, did she have much interaction with your your father? Uh, play a part in her life at all? Any custody arrangements with uh, you, her, and him, or not? Um, no, my dad was actually never involved. Um, mm. I actually never met my dad. Wow. Um, I think it was one day maybe her and I were in Bellevue and we were at a gas station and she had saw him, um, and just kind of like pointed him out to me like, that's your dad. And I'm like, all right then. Huh. Um, but from what I know, uh, he didn't want anything to do with me because my mom and, and him had me pretty young. She was mm -hmm. still in high school at the time. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, he ended up passing away around the time she disappeared. So oh, I never really got to meet him or wow. figure some of the things out that maybe I had questions to when it wow. happened. Do you and your brother have the same father? No, we have different dads. Okay. All right. Let's move on to this. Um, now, the only reason I'm going to ask you about this, Daisy, is because it is a piece of information that is out there in the public. Mm -hmm. But it is, and I realize you may not know about a lot about this given the year that it happened because you would have been very young. But there is a story out there that she actually had gone missing before in 2003. Do you or your grandmother, I know you had an opportunity to speak to her about this, do either of you know anything about this? Is this true? Is that just some internet rumor? What can you say about that? Yeah, I had um, brought it up to my grandma um, after I think you had made it aware to me of what mm -hmm. it was and were asking questions about it. And I was like, I'm not too sure, um, you know, as you said, because I was young, so yeah. I didn't know everything that was going on then. Sure. So anytime I'm unsure, <laughs> I go to my grandma. Sure, right. And... Um, she said that no, um, that that didn't happen. Um, hmm. She said it seems like it was misconstrued. Okay. Um, but she said no, my mom has never gone missing um, okay. before. She said that, you know, there would be periods of time where um, if my mom needed a babysitter for the weekend to go hang out with her friends... You know, sometimes she might not answer her phone because she's with her friends, but she always knew where she was at and what she was doing. Okay. All right. So we're going to dismiss this right at this point as some sort of story that got out of control or it was just an out-and-out out lie from the start. Okay. Just wanted to make sure I asked you about that, and that happened in 2003. Once again, any of the listeners who might have uh, looked this up before this episode came out or now look it up, you'll probably find it, and now you know that doesn't seem to be anything to that. Okay. Next issue is something that was going on at the time of your mother's disappearance is that she had had knee surgery. Uh, how did this happen? Was it like an, like an injury or was this something that she had put off for a while? What do you know about it? Um, so my mom had knee surgery. Um, my grandma says probably about five months before she went missing. Um, I thought it was a lot sooner okay. or closer to the time that she went missing. Yeah. Um, but she said that, um, my mom had lost her job 
um, getting hurt from this injury at Mazda and Hyundai, where she was working at as a mechanic. Okay. And um, she got hurt at work, um, that she recovered very well and was finishing with her therapy around the time that she had went missing. Okay. So you then your understanding, your family's understanding in 2021 is that this was some sort of injury. This was not, you know, maybe something that had happened like as a kid or maybe she was involved in sports back in her teen years and then it was something that crept up later. This was an injury right. from her work. Right. Yeah. Okay. And when I asked my grandma um to see exactly, you know, what happened, she said, you know, my mom just said that she was doing something at work and just like hit her knee the wrong way. Um, something along those lines. And it kind of just went downhill from there. So unfortunately yeah. she wasn't able to work for a few months. Um, and she was still on workman's comp when she went missing from the mm, knee surgery. Wow. That was a couple months beforehand. Okay. And I know I, somebody who I know very well in my life had a, knee injury a couple months ago and uh, she is continuing to recover from that so I know a little bit uh, what that can be like okay so and being that uh, she still uh, had this you know she was going through therapy at the time of her disappearance how bad was it you remembering your mother her getting around was she still using crutches could she bend her knee what do you remember about maybe just that week before she went missing could she walk fine what do you remember um she was walking um, you know, sometimes maybe if she like went up a step wrong because we did have steps into our apartment building and not just like one set of steps, it was like a few. Um, sometimes that um would cause like a little bit of of pain yeah. or more so uncomfortability, I would say. Yeah. Um, but you know, my mom still tried to be very independent, so mm -hmm. <laughs> she did what she could. Okay, but not using any crutches or anything at the time of her disappearance? No. Okay. Do you think that she, once again, being that maybe you were still going to these, uh, these um, things that you explained before on Sundays, uh, could she walk around fine? How far do you think she could walk on that knee? She could walk a good bit, um, okay. but I'm not sure that she would. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So in your opinion, there was some pain there, but she was just about back to being fine. 100%. Right. Okay. Let's move on to this. Uh, he is, of course, later going to play a prominent part in our interview here, but uh, she was engaged at one time to a guy. His name is Alex Johnson. Let's just to talk about him in general right now. Do you remember, uh, of course, you're still very young, but do you remember when they met? How did they meet? And, of course, he ended up living with you, your brother, and, and your mother. Let's talk a little bit about that now. What do you remember? Um, my grandma says that um, they had met through mutual friends mm -hmm. in the um, Northview Heights area, which is where he's from. Um, that they had met through some people within that area, um, kind of started to be friends and then it progressed into a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't exactly know how long they were friends for before they started dating and he had moved in with us. Okay. Um, 
I just know that um, it just kind of happened when he lived with us. Huh. It was just like, all right. That's what's going Mom's on. Mom's boyfriend and we live together. <laughs> okay. All right. So in some places he has been called a fiance. Was there an engagement? Were they going to get married? What is your understanding of this? Um, I knew that they were engaged. Um, there wasn't, I believe, any talk about a wedding at that particular time um, or like getting anything together for a wedding. So I just knew that they were engaged, but that was kind of it at that point. Okay. And how long do you believe he lived with you? Now, we should be clear, he did, was not living with you at the time of her, your mother's disappearance. But before that, how long would you say that he lived in the apartment with you and your mother and your brother in Ross Township? Um, he had lived with us um, also another place right up the street from my grandma's. <laughs> um, he had lived with us in an apartment building uh, up the street. I'd say about a year there, and mm -hmm. then we moved to the place um, that we lived at with him, still another place up the street from there, mm -hmm. um, probably about a year as well. So okay. I believe most of the time that they were dating, we had lived with him. Okay. Um, so he lived with you. Um how would you explain him? Of course, you were just 12, 11, 12 at the time. Of course, you're in your 20s now. How would you explain his personality? How was he at home when you all of you were just hanging out? Um, sometimes he would be fun. Um, you know, we'd all do family things together, um, go to the zoo, things like that. Um, but... Other than that, anything that my mom kind of, like, initiated us going out to doing, um, it was just kind of more, I guess, I wouldn't even say relaxed kind of vibe, but mm -hmm. maybe just, like, plain. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm not exactly sure how to describe it. Okay. Like, you know, not, not very emotional, not very, like, empathetic. So you mm -hmm. never really knew exactly like what he was feeling or what he was thinking. Okay. He was just kind of like at a standstill, if that makes sense. Okay, very uh, very even keeled, very low key. Right. Okay. Now this is a very important question. Uh, given that you lived with him, your mother, your brother, for as long as you've explained now, did you ever see any... Um, uh, you know, maybe arguments, everybody has arguments, but anything that uh, caused you to think Alex uh, hurt your mother, anything like that, any domestic violence, anything, did you ever personally yourself ever see anything like that? Um, no. Okay. No, any time I think that they ever had arguments, it was more so when me and my brother weren't around, because when me and my brother were around, mm -hmm. we never heard any arguing we never heard about there being any problems mm -hmm. so anything that was going on it was pretty much kept between the two of them and whoever else my mom decided to tell okay uh would you say once again being that you are now in your 20s would you say that at, at the time would you call him a controlling type of guy or, or not 
Now I think I would, but back then I don't think I saw it that way. Okay. Now it should be clear though that you had told me maybe that uh, maybe uh, your uh, mother's parents were split on him, right? One liked him, one didn't like him. Right. Okay. Uh, that that and that is interesting. So your grandmother uh, didn't care for him, but your grandfather uh, got along with him very well. Yes. Okay, and uh, we will maybe come back to that. Um, let's move on to this, and uh, this is the reason that he was not living with uh, you three at the time of your mother's disappearance. Is there was a breakup? What is your understanding of the breakup? When did it happen? How? long before your mother went missing did you know that it was going to be happening did your mother say anything about it to you what can you say about that um so i believe they broke up um maybe like a week and a half before her disappearance hmm. um i just remember her changing the locks on our apartment door because oh my. As previously stated, he did live with us. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, maybe she was just afraid that he was going to come in when we weren't home. Okay. Um, not exactly too sure. Um, but when I had asked her why she was changing the locks, you know, she said that they had broken up and that was pretty much it. That's all we mm -hmm. knew about it. Um, mm -hmm. We didn't know if anything was happening, you know, what was happening, uh, between them at the time until later mm -hmm. on now, you know, we're yeah. finding out bits and pieces. Okay. Yeah. But at the time, so what you're saying is, uh, you were a little surprised that he wasn't living with you anymore. Right. Yes. All right. So this wasn't something like a big lead up or anything. It was just, you come home one day, she's changing the locks and she says that Alex isn't welcome there anymore. Right. Okay. Over that next uh, week and a half, if it was a week and a half, it sounds pretty. That sounds pretty close. Um, do you know um, if your mother ever saw Alex? Did he try calling the house? Did you ever answer the phone, or did you ever see your cell phone ring? And it was at Alex. Anything like that? No. Um, a lot of the time, you know, I don't know what she was doing when we were at school because she wasn't working. Um, so anything that, you know, that they may have texted or called about, mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, okay. But my grandma said that he had sent her, after they had broken up, he had sent her a card and flowers, um, basically just apologizing for mm -hmm. the way, I guess, the breakup went um, mm -hmm. and asking if they could still be friends. Wow. Okay. So as an example, this is just an example for the listeners. I'm just asking Daisy exa an example. So there is nothing that you remember or you've ever heard of, like after this happened that he came over banging on the door at 3 a.m. Nope. Okay. All right. Do you happen to know where uh, he moved to after he moved out? Uh, it, it's my understanding that um, he had moved back in with his mother who mm -hmm. lives in the Northview Heights, uh, area that I had said that, uh, mm -hmm. he grew up in. Okay. And do you know why this happened to this day? Do you have an idea if you've obviously 
talk to your grandmother about this, maybe even your grandfather who seems got along with Alex a lot better. Do you know why this uh, breakup happened? No. Okay. Um, I feel like maybe she just wanted more from a relationship than maybe she was getting. Um, but other than that, I'm not too sure because she's not here. <laughs> okay. All right. So she didn't even say anything afterwards. This is why no. I broke up with Alex or she never said anything to her um, mother, your grandmother that, that, that was then passed on to you. No. Okay. All right. So you have this breakup approximately. Once again, we know this is, uh, you know, some years since then. So we realized maybe we're going to be off by a week or two or something like that. But it sounds to me like very close to her disappearance date. Uh, the people would judge that for what it is. Um, would you say while Alex, uh, lived with you, would he say he was kind of a father figure to you and your brother or did he really not play that role even though he was around you two all the time? Um, I feel like it would come and go where sometimes he would play the role, but other times, you know, my mom was more so like our primary caretaker. Um, she did a lot of the things for us. Uh, he would get me um, gifts because I was very into like arts and crafts when I wasn't in swimming at the time. Um, but it was a lot different for my brother. Um, mm -hmm. My brother and him, there was some issues, I believe, um, huh. with Alex just um, kind of like, emotionally unsettling him as a younger kid that has now caused some issues now as an adult. Okay. Um, but I think I tried to look at him as a father figure just because mm. I didn't have mine. Yeah. Um, and I think that was like something that I, I was really wanting. Um, so, you know, whenever this all happened, it was kind of like, disappointing i guess in a way yeah. because i wanted to have a father but yeah. i didn't end up getting one <laughs> right okay okay all right so we have this happen and he's out no explanation something we're not even sure what to this day uh that the reason was doesn't sound like there was any discord in their relationship not a lot of arguing doesn't sound like there was any abuse or anything like that it was just simply one day he's here next day he's he's out okay let's move on uh to this what do you remember about those days before your mother's disappearance anything besides of course alex not being around anymore anything um unusual anything uh that maybe you look back on now let's say it was something that you should have looked at differently at the time anything like that I don't really think so because it was kind of like our same routine, mm -hmm. even though he wasn't there, you know, school, swimming, home. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know, just I could tell the day that I asked her about the locks that she was just scared. Okay. I could just tell that she was scared and she was trying not to scare us. Okay. You brought this up before about these, uh, your grandmother, grandmother mentioned to you that after this happened or after the breakup happened, 
that uh, he sent her cards and a card and flowers. Do you remember that? Or is that something that only your grandmother remembers? That's something my grandma remembers. Yeah. Okay. So that wasn't something you uh, remember back specifically at the time, seeing the card or the flowers in your apartment. Right. Okay. Let's move up to that day now, September 26th, 2011. We've just passed, uh, unfortunately, the 10-year mark. You got... What, the way you remember it, pretty standard day. You and your brother go to school. Um, and I, ha I have a question right here on the interview outline. Any talk at all that your mother said to you that Alex was coming over to get any, any of his stuff at the apartment? Do you remember that at all? No. None. Okay. I don't think it was planned. <laughs> okay. But so your mother, if it, it could have been planned and she didn't mention it to you, or he might have just showed up out of nowhere. But either way, she never mentioned anything to you. No. All right. Did you even have any knowledge that some of his stuff was even still at the apartment, whether in it or maybe they had like a storage unit or something, anything? Um, I think there was still some stuff in our storage unit that was in the basement, um, but he was not allowed to access it mm -hmm. from that point on. So um, I believe it was like a toolbox, a toolbox or two with tools mm. in it. Uh, I think that was all that was really left. Mm -hmm. Maybe some MMA gear um, because we all kind of did MMA also for a little oh. while. So, um, you know, just some some things like that. Um, but mm -hmm. nothing, anything in our actual apartment that i can okay. remember just most of the stuff <clears throat> in the storage unit downstairs okay so i guess what you're saying is then being that there's your recollection is that there was still stuff there it would not have been unusual for alex to go over to get his stuff no not unusual okay so you go to school that day and then you've already mentioned the swimming that you and your brother were into and what was the usual pattern you go to swimming and then your mother kind of just shows up like with 20 minutes to go or what what can you explain to the listeners yeah um so i would be at my swim practice uh my swim practices ran for a couple hours typically um she would usually come in towards the end uh with maybe like 10 20 minutes left uh other times she might come towards the very end of the practice uh, but regardless, she was always there and ready to pick me up. You know, I never had to text her or call her to remind her to come and pick me up. Uh, she was always there. Okay, but this, of course, we know on this day, uh, she was not. Anything that occurred to you when you didn't see her after see her after practice is over? Anything that went to your mind? Did you try calling her? What did you do? Yeah, um, I thought it was unusual. Uh, that she wasn't there. I thought maybe she just got held up with something. Uh, maybe she had to go out to get something or was running errands, something of that sort. So I thought maybe, you know, she was just running a little bit late and forgot to check the time. Um, I had called her and the phone kept going to voicemail, which is very unusual because mm. anytime, you know, me and my brother called, she picked up. It didn't yeah. matter what she was doing. She picked up. There was a way to get a hold of her. So her phone kept going to voicemail. Um, so then I ended up calling my grandma. 
um, telling her, you know, mom's not picking up the phone. I'm stuck here at swim practice. Can you come pick me up to take me home? And she was like, yeah. Uh, she was like, you know, your brother's actually with me, hmm. uh, too, because he had gotten out of school and he went to the apartment uh, thinking my mom was going to be there huh. uh, or somebody would be there to let him in because yeah. he didn't have a set of keys like I did. Um, and he ended up going down to my grandma's house, telling my grandma, you know, I can't get in. And the next thing you know, my grandma's getting a call from me saying, like, I need you to come pick me up at swim practice huh. because huh. mom's not here. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Um, so she comes with my brother, picks me up. Uh, takes me back to our apartment building. We go in, we kind of like hang out in the living room. Um, she kind of gets dinner together. We're still trying to get a hold of my mom, you know. Um, let me jump in, and Daisy, if I could just jump in here so we can just co uh, cover a couple things. So, you, so your brother, uh, I guess got home. He didn't have swim practice. He gets there, the door's locked. He can't get in, so he goes down to your grandmother's. Right. And, then, and then you call and then like you've already explained. So when you get back, of course, your grandmother's with you. You have keys. You go in. Do you see anything? Of course, you're, you're, you're there. Anything unusual when you get there? I, I guess the, the front door was locked. So you get in there. Anything that seemed out of place? Uh, anything like that, the way you remember it? Uh, so when we came in, we remembered seeing her car out front. Um, hmm. the keys were still there, but she was not, uh, which is a little bit odd for us, um, because anywhere she needed to go, she would drive. Um, so we were like, where could she have went if she didn't take her car? Um, then everything else in the apartment was the way that we left it earlier that day. Um, mm -hmm. We go into the kitchen, and there were receipts for going to Giant Eagle earlier that day to get some groceries. And Home Depot, um, my mom had bought something to fix our toilet. Something was going on with the toilet, I guess. Okay. Um, so we had the receipts and the groceries. Um, and then we saw all of her belongings were still there. All of our belongings were still there. You know, nothing seemed out of place. But mm -hmm. uh, her purse was gone with her wallet and her phone. Mm -hmm. Those were the only things that weren't there. And the car was still there. All right. We're, do you know if the car keys were? Did you say the car keys were there? Yes. The All car right. keys were still there. All right. So she didn't carry her car keys uh, necessarily on her in her purse. They were sitting somewhere inside. So she's not there. Her purse isn't there. Her phone isn't there, and I guess the keys to the apartment aren't there. Right. All right, so somebody locked the door. Uh, thinking back to back then, how many people actually... So we have to remember, this was also a new lock on that door, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so the only people who had keys were you and her? Yes. All right, so she is seemingly the only one uh, who could have locked that door from the outside. Okay, but uh, seems just like a regular apartment to you, like it would look like any time you came home. Yes. Okay. Uh, I have to ask, at, uh, at that point, um, what is your grandmother saying? Being that she's the adult, uh, what is she doing? Uh, is she calling any other people besides your mother trying to find out where she is? Do you remember? Um, I 
think she tried to call after a little while. I mean, she may have called other people before this, but this mm-hmm. is just the one thing that I remember. Okay. Um, she had called the police after it was like a couple hours. Um, and I think what it was was you have to wait um, like 72 hours something like that not really but the police 24 something like that yeah um before you can report somebody missing Mm -hmm. um so a significant time had gone by at that point uh she stayed the night with us at our apartment because we had school in the morning still Mm -hmm. um but after it became apparent after a few hours that nobody could reach her that's when my grandma kind of started getting worried. Um, so we called the police. Okay. Did he, uh, I, I, once again, uh, being, I understand you're just 12, almost 13. So this would probably be up to an adult to do, but do you know if your grandmother went to any of the neighbors to say, Hey, did you see, um, Jamie out here anywhere? Did you see her today? Did you see her come home? Did you know if she did that at all? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I know the police did Mm -hmm. when we had um, reported her missing. They had actually went and talked to the neighbors and went around the neighborhood um, just kind of seeing what they could find out. Do you think that your grandmother had any idea of what could be going on at that point? Um, She, from my understanding, told me that... um, You know, if he was to come by and ask her for help with something, whether it was help with his mom, you know, whatever else, because his mom was a little bit older, um, that even though my mom had broken up with him, that um, she would probably go and help him. Okay. All right. So, but still like on that day, not sure what to think. Right. Right. Kind of, uh, okay, so she went out, she did the shopping, she comes back with her car, she takes everything inside, the receipts are there, but then she's gone, but the door's locked, there's no signs of violence, doesn't seem like the neighbors, at least on that day, you know, nobody saw you come back and say, hey, we saw Jamie out there with somebody in the in the front or anything like that. All right, so right. then, and this was on a Monday? Is that right? It was Monday, day of the week? Yes. All right, yes. so you're just getting through the weekend. Okay. So the police finally come and take uh, their report. Were there any searches done? You said they talked to the neighbors, and we'll get to what the neighbors said in a second, but um, they got involved. Yes, they got involved. Um, they talked to the neighbors. Um, they did their own search. Uh, we mm-hmm. had actually organized our own search party um within the area of our house um Mm -hmm. i think we did like two different ones as well to kind of see if we could find anything uh, along with the police so definitely measures were taken (laughs) okay all right gotcha all right and we uh have you already talked about we're going to move on to uh, what we, I usually call the rest of the case now. You've talked about how you tried calling her, your grandmother tried calling her, and it was going straight to voicemail. Are you then saying that it wasn't ringing at all? That's the way you remember it? Or yeah, did... it wasn't ringing, okay. no. All right. Let's talk about the phone records. 
Uh, eventually, did you get to see the phone records? Do you know if the police, of course, we're just talking 10 years ago, uh, so we all know about pinging and phone records and everything else. What have you learned about uh, the phone records? Anybody she texted, anybody she talked to, social media info, anything like that? Um, I personally haven't seen any of her social media um, messages, none of the personal text messages or calls that she had made on that day or, mm-hmm. you know, to say who she was talking to. Um, the police, the last time I talked to them yeah. um, and had asked them about that, they said, unfortunately, um, things are different now than they were back in the day, um, you know, where you would be able to see a lot of those things, um, because we had flip phones. Oh, you so did? So, okay. we weren't, we weren't going on, like, the internet on our phones. The only oh. things we were doing is, is calling and texting. Um, we had a computer at our house where we would use to go on Facebook, mm-hmm. which I'm sure they have checked her mm-hmm. social media and things like that um to figure out who she was last talking to or if anything stuck out um but the only thing that they could say was that um her phone was last pinged in Northview Heights that's what they told you that's what the police told you yes and yeah. that information's also out there um mm-hmm. i believe it's on the Charlie project okay and you've already stated that uh, Alex's family or his mother lived in Northview Heights? Yes. Okay, well that will then... I, I should. I, I haven't asked you this before. That's going to take us into talking about Alex again. But did your mother have a Facebook account? Do you even know if she had one back then? Or Yes, yes. We had to be friends with each other <laughs> <laughs> for me to be able to uh, have Facebook. She wanted to keep an eye on you, huh, Daisy? Yeah. All right. So we move on to, of course, there's now this ping. You don't necessarily hear in 2021 have the texts and phone calls. I, I got to tell you, maybe, you know, we still might be able to get that even 10 years later. The police, you would think that would be, would have been something they could have gotten, you know, back then, despite you mm-hmm. not having like an iPhone or something. I mean, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter, um, but maybe they did and they just haven't told you about it. But this ping information surely is something that uh, gets everybody's attention, especially where this last ping happened. Um, So this is in the area where Alex's mother lived. When did you find out and how did you find out that he had actually been at your apartment that day and seen your mother? When did you find this out? How did you find it out? Um, I think I found out maybe like a couple days to a week after she had disappeared, um, found out, um, from the police, but, um, I think my grandma was the one to initially tell us that, Mm -hmm. you know, he was the last one that they believe, um, was seen with her that day. Mm -hmm. Um, they said that he had come over to get some of the other things that were in the basement. Like I said before, um, toolboxes, some MMA gear, um, just things like that. Um, and that they were talking outside on the front, uh, lawn Mm -hmm. and there was no signs of him and her like going inside to talk. 
um, whether they did or didn't, I don't know. Um, mm. But some neighbors just say that they did see them both outside, you know, talking. It wasn't like an argument or any type of fighting or anything. I think it was more so just them talking about him being able to get his stuff back. Okay. Then uh, are, then I get, uh, what I want to ask you is this. So do you believe they came across this information because, for example, I don't know this, I'm just, this is just an example, that they might have checked Alex's phone records to see that, that his phone pinged in the area, so they went and asked him and he admitted to it? Or do you think that the police were able to track down people who witnessed Alex in the apartment complex and that's how they came, came to that piece of information? Do you know, either way? Um, I think it was from the neighbors that had said that they saw somebody like talking to her. Um, I believe they they knew who he was because he was living there previously. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess it would add up with maybe who she was texting or calling or yeah. who was texting or calling her. And then for the neighbors to say, yeah, like, you know, we did see them talking outside maybe that kind of made the connection like, you know, maybe we should go and talk to him and, and yeah. see maybe what they were talking, what you guys were talking about, you know, what was okay. going on, things like that. Okay. So there's a couple different ways they could have figured it out, but your understanding, your best guess is that somebody did see them talking in the apartment complex together. Right. Okay. Now I have to ask this though. Uh, you told me once again, as listeners know, I speak to guests at least a few times before they appear in the program, though, you told me that your mother actually, though, had a restraining order against Alex. Is that true? Yes. Um, it was actually filed uh, September 11th, 2011, huh. and she went missing September 26, 2011, so I'd say about like a week and a half before mm-hmm. she went missing. Yeah. Um, it was filed, and it was a petition from abuse. Wow. Um, so it had my mom's name on there, my brother's name, and my name. Um, basically stating, you know, that he can't come back to the apartment. Um, you know, he can't get the belongings. He can't be around me or my brother or my mom. Um, mm-hmm. Now, what she said to the police that maybe he was doing when they were together. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but I know that it must have been something uh, to where she was able to get that. It had to have been something significant yeah. to be able to get something like that. Because you can't just right. go in and and be like, you know, I want this. And right. they'll just give it to you. Of course. Uh, did you know, at the time of her disappearance, although I'm not sure if a 12 or 13-year-old would exactly understand what a restraining order was, did you know that happened back then, or is that something you found out later? Uh, I found that out later. Um, whenever we moved into my grandma's house, uh, again, after she had gone missing, mm-hmm. uh, we took a lot of her stuff there with us. And, you know, me being a curious teen, I was huh. going through some of her paperwork and things that she had kept, um, maybe thinking I was a detective or whatnot. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. But um, I had found the paper and I was reading it, and at that point, I under I understood what a restraining order was, but yeah. it wasn't until years later down the line that I found out that she had done this. And then when mm-hmm. I looked at the date, and it was close to her disappearance, you know, it it kind of 
scared me a little. Of course. Okay. But uh, I, I'm guessing then, being that you were around Alex so much and you got to see your mother with him, I guess then that knowing about this restraining order, a little bit of a surprise to you? Yes. Okay. Because so, like I said, you know, we didn't hear of or know if anything was ever going on. They kept it away from us. So, and I was too young at the time, so she wasn't going to come to me to tell me about any problems they were having. So mm -hmm. it's like a lot of unanswered questions now as yeah. an adult, like, you know, what, what was really going on? Like what, what was the problems they were mm -hmm. having, you know? Yeah. All right. Because this restraining order exists, you've seen it, you know, when it was filed, you know, the dates on it, it is something that is real. Okay. And then once again, it's uh, 15 days, September 11th, this uh, September 26th, 15 days, let's just call it two weeks before she went missing. So I guess what we're also saying is that if these um, uh, neighbors uh, did see him there, he was not allowed to be there. Right. Okay. Now, when this was revealed to, uh, came about that Alex uh, was there, uh, did he admit being there? I'm not sure. Don't know. Okay. Um, I think, I think he may have said, like, yes, that, you know, they were talking, but um, anything else, I'm not too sure, you know, mm -hmm. if he said yes or no. Okay. Uh, so he did, so to your knowledge, even 10 years later, you have no idea whether um, he admitted being there or not. Right. Okay. Now, here's the big question being that he. Uh, some of his stuff was still there, and we can at least understand the idea that he wanted to get this stuff back. Your understanding, was his stuff still there after your mother went missing? Yes. Uh, we had actually taken it to my grandmother's house um, mm -hmm. because she was not letting him have anything back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So even if he was over there to seemingly get this stuff, he didn't take it with him. No. Okay, but he was certainly there. All right, and then we have to remember, once again, on top of everything else, uh, there was this restraining order. Uh, do you know if being that he was seemingly breaking this restraining order by being there, did he ever get in trouble for that? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Okay. All right, so that's something that's still unknown. The most important part, there was a restraining order, and he was in a place he shouldn't have been talking to somebody he shouldn't have been talking to. Correct. And, all right. And uh, I think the way those things usually work out with divorces and such things is that if uh, a guy does have to go over to get stuff, you know, the police have to be there and it has to be a, right. a certain time and maybe the, the girlfriend or the ex-girlfriend or whoever is going to be away. And, right. and the police arranged that. That was, of course, not done here. Okay. Now, all right, so we've talked about Alex. Sounds um, somewhat suspicious. I think I can say that without being too theoretical here. But let's move on to another guy, though. Um, even though it hadn't been that long before Alex moved out, that another guy got involved in your mother's life. Um, I don't know if we want to use his name or not. That's, of course, up to you, Daisy. But um, who was this guy uh, it, it does seem, I have to say, that your mother moved on fairly fast. What can you say about this? Did he live close? What can you say about him? 
Um, I don't remember him living close. Um, him and my mom were together when me and my brother were younger. Um, so we were familiar with this person. We knew who this person was. Um, but he had come back around again for a very short time after my mom and Alex had broken up. Um, from what I know, um, you know, maybe they were talking about being more than friends, but at that point they were just friends, um, talking again, trying to like reconnect, kind of see what's going on. Um, and that was pretty much it. Um, I remember seeing him in our apartment and my mom asking me, you know, do I remember who this is? And I had said, yes. Uh, and that was pretty much it, you know, nothing, mm-hmm. nothing crazy. Like he wasn't spending the night, anything mm-hmm. like that. You know, he was just more of a friend, I guess, in that time. Okay. After, uh, she had broken it off with Alex. Okay. Uh, after your mother went missing, did you ever see this particular guy again? No. Okay. All right. Uh, so you did see this guy. How many times would you say you saw him at your place before your mother went missing? Uh, once or twice. Okay. Any knowledge of whether uh, the police ever spoke to him about your mother's disappearance? Uh, I do believe they, uh, spoke to him just because, Mm -hmm. um, they had recently started talking again, you know, before she went missing. Um, but to my knowledge, he had just broken his leg, um, around the time that she had went missing. Wow. Okay. Um, I think it was a dirt bike or a quad accident, something of the sort, because he was into those kinds of things. So, All right, and those things happen. Okay. Let's talk about, uh, and you just brought this up to me within the last few days uh, before we did this interview. Uh, we're doing this interview, by the way, on December 5th, 2021. Um, you told me in one of the last messages you sent to me before we did this interview that there's the belief that some of Alex's family actually lived in the apartment complex there in Ross Township. Is that true? Uh, his family didn't live in the apartment complex with oh. us Okay. in Ross Township, um, but they did live over near um, the Northview Heights oh, area the Northview as Heights well. Are, oh, okay. The Northview Heights area as well um, as mm-hmm. his mother and some other family members. Oh, yeah. okay. Maybe I misunderstood that message then. Okay, um, do you know, being that you brought it up again, Northview Heights, being that there was a ping over there, do you know if any searches were done? Did they go to his mother's house uh, and poke around? Were they able to get a warrant for any of that? Anything? Yes. Um, they have been searching and searching everywhere they possibly can, um, that was definitely one of their top places that mm-hmm. they went and um, did a search, not only just in the neighborhood, but I believe also went to the mother's house, um, probably yeah. just to talk to him, talk yeah. to the family, um, check out the surroundings, things like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, they definitely have gone over there and looked, talked to people in that area, as well as looking over where our apartment was in the Ross Township area, too. Okay. 
So uh, earlier in this conversation, I, uh, or you brought up, we talked about, there's kind of a uh, split decision on Alex and your family between your grandmother and your grandfather. Um, why do you think that is, being that you, of course, know both of them, and you've actually told me that uh, your grandfather, uh, for some reason, is kind of uh, ruled out of giving any information because he still talks to Alex. What can you say about all of that? Yeah, so... Um... To my knowledge, um, my pap was feeding information um, that the police were giving us, um, that we were allowed to have, um, giving us information as a family. And then um, my pap was kind of, you know, telling Alex what was going on, kind of like what they were doing, I guess. Um, so my pap had to be removed from knowing things huh. ab about the case, you know, anything that they were doing, huh. anything that was kind of going on, um, you know, stuff like that. So um, from what I know, mm -hmm. he believed that um, he didn't possibly do anything um, mm -hmm. or whatnot, but my grandma kind of thinks otherwise. Thinks the other yeah. way. Okay, so split decision. And should I ask, uh, grandmother and grandfather still married? No. All right, so they're having this, uh, it's not like they're fighting about this under the same roof. They, they're living separate lives and have different opinions. Right. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, when did this happen that uh, kind of your grandfather had to be, uh, you know, X'd out as far as being given, any, you know, talking to him? When did that happen? Uh, I think it was probably within the weeks to a month after she had gone missing. Oh, okay. Um, there's an article with a picture of him holding my mom's picture. Um, mostly he just tried to become like the face of the case kind of thing. Kind of tried to make it all about him and like what he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, when him and my mom were having trouble in their relationship and, you know, she was trying to make it work. Um, but even still, there were some issues there. And um, from what my grandma tells me, uh, Alex showed her a different side of him than what mm -hmm. he maybe showed my grandfather. Mm. So I think maybe that's why, too, they both have different perspectives on the situation as well. Uh, knowing your grandfather like you do, uh, surprised that he behaved like that, or is that just kind of his personality, your opinion, being that the rest of us don't know him? No, I'm not surprised. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you for that. Now, I will say, uh, having covered over 230 disappearances on this program, whether we're to believe that your mother left with Alex, she left with somebody else, or just took off on her own, walked down the street, whatever she did. It does appear that your uh, mother left by choice, especially considering that that front door of your apartment was locked. There's only one person who could have done that. Can you think of any reason that she would have left with somebody who would have harmed her? Um, well, like I said earlier, um, you know, my mom was just a good 
person. So anybody that needed help with anything, no matter what kind of person they were, she was going to go help them. All right, so it could be that somebody, once again, we don't do theories on the program. I know what a lot of people are going to be thinking anyway, but you think that she would have been the type of person that no matter if she was having problems with a person or not, if the person said, hey, I need help something, doing something, that she would have helped that person. Your opinion. Right. Your opinion. Because I don't, I don't think um, she would have thought that anything would have come from it. Okay. You know, that any harm would have been done to her by anybody that she was going to help. Okay, understood. Okay. How, how, how tough has this been, Daisy, for you and your brother? Who, uh, uh, of course, you said you had no connection to your father. Who raised you and your brother? How tough have the last 10 years been? Uh, my grandma has raised us for a large part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been really hard um, just because growing up, you know, you see everybody else with their moms or with their dads and, you know, you mm -hmm. kind of feel like you're the odd one out. Um, and it was kind mm -hmm. of hard because everybody found out or knew about what was going on. And, you know, sometimes just being asked a lot of questions about it like yeah. just being sprung on you yeah uh you just don't always want to talk about it you know because it is it is something that hurts still yeah. to this day to talk about and you know we're still at a point where we don't have as much information as we'd like to have to kind of get this figured out right right and how is your, uh, of course, she's your grandmother. Uh, how is she doing? Uh, I, I'm sure she didn't uh, anticipate raising two children uh, in, in addition no. to your uh, mother. But um, how, how has she done with that? Uh, I think it was definitely difficult for her. Um, she kind of had other plans after she had raised yeah. my mom and my mom's brother. Um, yeah. She had her own plans and she kind of had to push those aside to... Yeah take care of me and my brother and of course she did everything she could and she did the best she could but I know it was difficult for her um yeah. to be trying to raise us and then you know also right. going through this and trying to figure out what's going on as well yeah you stated that your mother has uh, a brother has be he been involved in all of this uh you know is you know um do you talk to him about your mother's disappearance how much has he been involved in all this um, he was involved in the searches in the beginning, um, but a lot of my family isn't really good about, you know, talking to the news or yeah. doing something like this. Yeah. So I've kind of become the person to do that for yeah. the family. Um, yeah. But it's been really difficult on him to because of how close him and my mom were as well. So mm -hmm. it's just not a situation I would ever want anyone else to go through. Yeah. Even though, unfortunately, it does happen. It does. It does. We've had more. Uh, of course, we've covered over 230 disappearances. Children of missing parents, not a common demographic who appears on the pro uh, who appear on the program, but it does happen. 
You know, mm-hmm. it does. I mean, much more of the time we're talking, I'm talking to parents, mainly mothers of missing adult children. It's like the opposite of this situation. Right. But uh, it does happen for uh, unfound once uh, in a while. Did you happen to know uh, what Alex Johnson has done with his life since 2011? I do not. Um, Mm. I haven't had any contact with him since he lived with us Mm -hmm. 10 years ago, um, before my mom and him broke up, um, Mm. after they had broken up and my mom's disappearance, you know, was pretty much broadcasted. Um, I have not talked to him. I have not seen him. Mm. I have no idea. No idea at all. No idea. <laughs> okay, so for all you know, and I probably will look this up before the episode comes out, um, he could be deceased and you wouldn't know. Right. Okay, and I, I'm going to probably have to look that up, and I will give the information to the listeners, and of course I'll give it to you when I get it. Uh, do you have a Facebook page, website, anything like that set up for your mother's disappearance, Daisy? I. Uh, Yes, we do have a Facebook page. It's called Hope for Jamie Peterson. Okay. Um, if you just type that into the search thing, it will come up and you'll be able to mm-hmm. see the um, group. Okay. Is that something you started? Uh, are you the administrator, for example? Uh, I'm not. Um, my brother's friend a very good friend of his his mom actually started the page wow Um, when she first went missing um she has organized spaghetti fundraisers for us um when we were kind of having a hard time uh especially my grandma you know being able to make money to try to raise us in yeah this kind of circumstance yes um, she's helped with a lot of the searches. She's helped with the candlelight vigils. Uh, mm. she's just been very great to our family, you know, helping us out anytime we've needed it. Um, so it's been very nice to have people like that around. Sure. Right. Okay. Great. Okay. Um, any final words before we complete this interview, Daisy? Um, we just asked that if anybody does have any information, um, that they remember from listening to this, uh, that you call the Ross Township Police Department. The detective on the case is Detective Brian Kohlhup. Um, the phone number is 412-931-9070. And you will be able to talk to him about any information you may have to help us. This is, uh, as listeners know, I am from the Pittsburgh area. I've lived there for quite a long time since 1998. But I went. Uh, I'm from Leechburg. I went to Leechburg High School, and and so these disappearances that occur around Pittsburgh do feel very close to me. I've been to Ross Township many times back in the day, many many times. I'm familiar with the area. And uh, anytime I can uh, help out a fellow Western Pennsylvania person, uh, <laughs> I like to try to do that. It's it, it does, uh, it's a special thing for me. Yeah, I appreciate you talking to me and taking the time to do this for us. It's what I do, and you're welcome. And that was my December 5th, 2021 interview with Daisy Peterson, daughter of Jamie Peterson.
I thank her for joining me and all of you on this episode. It's weird. We went over two years after Devin Brown Busetta's disappearance before we got to another Western Pennsylvania case, that one being Alicia Markovich's from just a few weeks ago. Now we have Jamie Peterson's. And I'm pretty sure we will be featuring another Pittsburgh area disappearance very soon. Once again, weird. All I can tell you is that these things aren't planned. So at the beginning of this episode, I challenged you to remember without cheating what disappearance is very similar to Jamie's. Could you remember without going back and looking? The answer... Yes, that's right. Tiffany Johnson's. She was also in her apartment complex, arguing with her ex-boyfriend, Christopher Revel. You may also remember that the ex-boyfriend was eventually charged with kidnapping. He was convicted. However, Tiffany has still not been located. If your memory is even better, you may remember that Christopher is connected to another disappearance of another of his ex-girlfriends. Taliba Islam. She is also still missing. I'm not sure if that was a tough quiz or not, but this is the kind of recall I hope all of you can acquire one day. I would love for you to be able to spout off three or four similar disappearances when you hear about the new one that Unfound is covering that particular week. This is something that is lacking in investigations today. It's something I call knowing it when you see it, or uh, hear it. This has been a topic in my presentations to students at universities so far. Anybody involved in disappearances should be able to get to the point that dentists reach. When dentists look at teeth or x-rays, within seconds they know what needs to be done, without question. Or when plumbers show up at homes. They know how to find the problems and plan out solutions. Whereas in disappearances, too often for investigators, it's the first time. Over and over and over. Nothing is learned or the wrong things are learned from prior missing reports that are taken. And what happens? Because investigators do not know what they're looking at, when they're looking at it, precious time is lost. The right questions aren't asked. Alibis aren't checked. And getting phone records or social media info is put off until it's too late. Even with Tiffany Johnson's, Chris came back to the complex in 90 minutes. Even that was too long. The problem? Police waited for him instead of them going after him. And what happened? Tiffany is still missing, despite Chris going to jail. For Jamie's, I'll admit that it's not as straightforward. However, that Alex was there in the complex on that day should not have taken so long to discover. Putting together the info of Jamie being gone but her car being there the restraining order, and Alex's stuff still being at the complex? That should have been enough, even without the neighbor's testimony, 
to track Alex down to see where he was. That it took even a couple days to do that has surely caused Jamie's disappearance to remain harder to solve than it has been. What I'm saying is, just like I hope many of you had the feeling during this episode, investigators need to get to the point of having deja vu as well. I'll leave the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Densel, and you've been listening to Unfound.